As you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139, Psalms 139, I want us to keep the wolf family in our prayers. Amy texted me last night to let me know that Ben's mother went home to be with Jesus last night. She had been ailing for a little while and kids came in from across the country to be there in New York with her and Ben was able to spend uh, a couple hours speaking with her about her relationship with Jesus and they had a great time just fellowshipping and so she is in the presence of the Lord we want to keep them lifted during this time and as we go to prayer we're in a series for the month of January called Love Yourself, Heeding the Unheeded Command. We are told to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So often we forget to love ourselves, to prioritize ourselves, to see ourselves as someone worthy of God's love. So it's my prayer that God would encourage all of us today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. We bless you. We thank you for all that we've been able to partake of thus far in this worship experience in your house. We thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light that each one of us, we have you in common when we are born-again believers. No matter where we come from, no matter what we've been through, we have Jesus in common. And that makes us the household of faith, the family of believers, the bride of Christ, the church of the living God. And Father, this morning with this message, it's my desire that you would cancel the spirit of suicide that would seek to take many of us out because we have believed the lies of the enemy. So Father, in Jesus' name, would you cast down that stronghold? Would you let the person who has been suffocating under the lies from the father of lies, that they are not valued, that they are not seen, that they are not special. Lord, I pray that the truth would set someone free today in Jesus' name. We come against shaming, body shaming today. We come against bullying today and teasing and low self-esteem today. You told us not to think more highly of ourselves, but that doesn't mean we can't think highly of ourselves. So may the truth go forth today. Help me, Lord, to preach your word and help us to leave with our minds transformed because we've been renewed by the word of God. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, the son of the living God, I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed in your Bible reading how much time the writers of scripture take in describing people. 
I know some of us have started a plan to read through the Bible in 2023. It's a great goal to have to read God's love letter, all 66 books. But when you read the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation, yes, it's a book about God, and yes, it's a book about God's son, but it's also a book about people, ordinary, everyday people. And many times, the writers of scripture would spend time describing people in the Bible days. For instance, the Bible says Esau was hairy and red all over. He had red hair. He was a hairy man. The Bible says that David was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. The Bible says that Eli was old and heavy. The Bible says that Moses was a beautiful child. Everybody, baby, everybody think that baby is beautiful. Uh, uh, the Bible says that Sarah was a woman of beautiful countenance. And this was said when she was 65 years old. Amen. Can, can all the sisters, no, I, I won't do that. Uh, amen. She, she still had it going on. Amen. My wife, amen. And real loud, we pray that that same anointing will be upon your life. The Bible says Rebecca was very beautiful to, to behold. The Bible says that Leah had delicate eyes. The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. The Bible says Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. The Bible says that Solomon's wife, the Shunammite, she declared, I am dark and lovely. The Bible says Bathsheba was very beautiful to behold. The Bible says that Saul was handsome and taller than all of the people. The Bible says that Goliath was six cubits and a span, meaning that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was of short stature. The Bible says that Samson had seven locks of hair. In other words, he had seven braids. He was the first rapper in scripture. The Bible says that the prophet Elisha was bald-headed. Amen. The Bible says that Absalom had no blemish in him from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And his hair was heavy, so much so that they would weigh it whenever he would cut it, and it would weigh in at 200 shekels. The Bible says that Abigail was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. And the Bible says that Queen Esther was lovely and beautiful. And there's so many more, but these are just a few that I took to share with you today. But my question is, why would God make all of these different kinds of people? Why would he make such a beautiful tapestry of people like the ones assembled in this room? Why is there so much diversity in the midst of God's creation as it pertains to men and women? Well, the Bible lets us know that God did all of this, making us differently. He did all of this for his glory. 
That's why he did it. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So there it is. You didn't make yourself. God made you. I know your mother and father say, I brought you into this world and I could take you out, but technically, God is the one who made you. And he made you for his glory. In other words, he made you so that you might put him on display. So that people can see you and give honor to your God in heaven, the one who made you. And so you are a reflection of his grace and of his glory. But can I keep it 100? I know we're made in the image of God. I know that we're made for God's glory. But, but let me keep it 100 because... There have been times that some of us have not liked the way that God made us. Can I preach? Am I okay? Can I keep it real? Can I keep it a buck? I know I'm made for his glory. I know I'm made in his image. I know all of that. And we're going to read some things from Psalm 139 today. But some of us haven't always liked the way God made us. Some of y'all don't like the fact that he made you so tall. You had to go through days of being awkward and clumsy and getting teased because you were taller than everyone. And you have a desire to study medicine, biology, and everybody thinks you're going to play basketball. And that's not how God wired you. And, and so you don't like the fact that you're tall. Some of you don't like the fact that God made you short. Because when they see you, they assume you have a Napoleon complex because you're short. You don't like being short or called shorty. Some people don't like the fact that God made them dark skinned. Some people don't like the fact that God made them light skinned. Some people don't like the fact that they have oily skin and it leads to pimples and, oh, I just don't like myself. But we were made by God. And, and I just want to say that God makes no mistakes. I want to say it again, God makes no mistakes, and he made no mistakes when he made you the way that he made you. You are the only you that you have. You can't say, God, uh, can I come back in uh, uh, for some work? Uh, 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 you know how they do recalls on certain models of cars, you know, the seatbelt didn't work. You can't say, God, I don't like my nose, can I come in for a recall? But you got folks running to doctors uh, who try to play God and rework folks' bodies over because what folks need to know is that the body is just a shell. It's a description of you, but it's not the totality of you. It should not be the definition of you, but it's also something that we should not be ashamed of either because God made us with care. He made us with specificity with attention. In fact, the Bible says when he made us, he crowned us with glory. So we're made for his glory, and then he made us a little lower than the angels. Angels have a kind of power that we don't have, but here's something that angels don't have. Angels were not made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God, and as a result, God crowned each one of us 
with glory, with shine, with brilliance, with radiance. He is the one who lights every person who comes into the world. There is a glory about you whether you know it or not. And this is why we have to come and get into the word so that God can tell us the truth as opposed to us leaning on our own understanding and listening and watching to what the world is doing and saying and letting that have more authority over what God says. But today, let God be true and every devil in hell a liar. In Psalm 139, we see uh, what has been called the omnis of God. The omnis of God. In verses 1 through 6, we see the omniscience of God in Psalm 139 where David talks about, Lord, you've searched me and you've known me, omniscience. You know everything about me. You know when I make my bed in hell, you know if I take the wings and go to hell. You know everything about me, oh God. And with what you know, you still love me. And then in verses 7 through 12, we see the omnipresence of God. No matter where I go, he's with me. Not only does he know everything about me, but he's with me wherever I go. There's nowhere I can go to escape from his presence, from his spirit. He loves me. He's with me all of the time. And then today for our focus, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18 to unpack the omnipotence of God. So the omniscience, his knowledge, omnipresence, him being with us everywhere, but now his omnipotence, which means he has all power. And when we think about the omnipotence of God, usually we think about creation. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And what magnificent power that was on display at creation and how God not only created the world, but he holds the world together by his word. That's power. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. You don't have the power to make a day. Matter of fact, the Bible says don't even boast about tomorrow because you don't even know what a day may bring forth. You don't have the power. You can plan. And then James says, but when you plan, say, if it's the Lord's will, I'll see you next week. Because we don't have that power. But God is the one who has that kind of power. But in Psalm 139, it's not talking about creating the universe power. It's talking about creating us that he displayed his omnipotence in how he created us. So here's the first point of two. We're going to see what God did. Do you want to see what God did? Do you want to see what God did? Huh? Am I by myself? It's okay if I'm by myself. I don't need a lot of people, but I just like a witness or two. Let's see what God did. Let's start at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. He displayed his omnipotence when he formed your inward parts. Well, he formed you internally. David is speaking under the leadership and the guide of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he's also using rich poetic language because he was a musician and a singer. He worshiped God. And so the Psalms are songs and he's writing this song about how God made us. And he said, oh God, you, you formed my inward parts. You formed me internally, speaking of my heart, my lungs, my kidneys. You see, the inward parts there in the Hebrew technically means kidneys or the seat of one's internal being. 
You know, you made me everything about me on the inside. You, you made that. Everything inside that I can't see unless I go to a doctor and they give me an x-ray. The stuff that's inside that's keeping me alive. Stuff that I can't live without. Stuff that I need. You made all of that when you made me. But deeper than the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, and everything inside, he also made me immaterially. Not only the internal, but the immaterial part, and that is the soul and the spirit. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Everyone has a soul. We're alive. And, and so he made your immaterial parts as well as your internal parts and organs. Now, all of the internal qualities of a child, listen to this, are determined by God. Not by chance, but by God. And the child's temperament, personality, natural abilities, and mental capacity are all predetermined and instantly programmed by God within the fertilized egg. That when the egg and the sperm come together and God says life, he programs everything into that child at that moment. But if I lean on some other parts of scripture, though, Jeremiah said, you knew me before I was born in my mother's womb. Because God doesn't really operate by time the way you and I do. He knows everything before anything happens. So he didn't come to knowledge when the egg and the sperm came to knowledge about, uh, came together about us. He already knew us before our parents ever even thought about coming together. But here's the idea, though. His omnipotence is seen that he programs everything in us and about us before we were ever born. The child's calling in life is also predetermined by God when God forms him or her in the womb. Pastor, what's going on here? The Bible talks about Esau, that man with the red hair. His temperament and his nature was to be a hunter. And he lived out in the fields and he smelled like outside. But his brother, Jacob, liked to be close and in the house, and he liked to cook. God put different temperaments and personalities in both of them, even though they were twins. So we're different, and different isn't bad. Different is just different. And we don't have to apologize for the way God made us. He, he put it in little John the Baptist, who's called to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And in the womb, he's living out his purpose and his destiny. That when Mary walks in with baby Jesus in her womb, John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb. I'm just here to let you know that God has a plan for each and every one of us that began before we were born. And in order to find out what he has for us, we got to check in with him. As opposed to taking all these personality tests and all, they have their place. Just make it second place and say, God, you formed me for your glory. How do you want me to show your glory in the earth? What do you want me to do? Jeremiah, God told him, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations before you were born. So when you connect with the creator, your creator, 
He will download into you what your purpose is that you might give him glory in the earth. And he will match your personality, your temperament, your natural abilities, and also the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the calling that he has on your life to bring him glory and other folks good. And so all of it is programmed right in there. Because within each child is 100 trillion cells. We can't even fathom that. Atoms and molecules that are innumerable. 100,000 miles of nerve fiber in each person. The human body. You think your computer is something that is just out of this world. No, you are out of this world. You are the most complex computer there is. 60,000 miles of vessels carrying blood around the body. So if we were to try to unravel all of the vessels in you, it would extend 60,000 miles. And somebody want to say that that just happened by an explosion or by chance. Nah, 250 bones. And the brain contains 100 billion nerve cells. So he formed me. That's what David said. You form my inward parts. But he doesn't end there. He goes on to say in verse 13, you covered me in my mother's womb. You covered me. Hang on, y'all. Hang on for this. The word covered in the Hebrew language can also speak of being woven together. Because when you weave something together, it becomes like a cloth or a blanket. And those things are coverings. And so it also speaks of embroidery. That when God uh, saw you in your mother's womb, he knit you in your mother's womb. He covered you. He embroidered you. And this same word is used in the book of Exodus when they talked about making the clothes of the high priest and the, the curtains for the tabernacle, how they were sewn, they were woven, they were embroidered with great attention to detail. And the Bible says that God wove us together in our mother's womb. The weaving of God can also speak of a child's DNA. Now, David, back in that time, he's right. He don't know anything about DNA. But if you look at a strand of DNA, it looks like something that is weaving or having been woven. And DNA speaks of the fact that, that, that there's this complex, long-chain molecule within each and every one of us that contains the genetic blueprint for the building and maintaining of each child. I'm not smart like all the doctors in here. I did a little bit of research, and humans share about just about the same amount of DNA. Everybody's got about the same amount. The 99%, we all got the same DNA because we're humans. But it's that 1% that is unique and different. And there are 8 billion people on the planet of Earth today. And only maybe some identical twins, but they may share identical DNA. But for the most part, we all have different DNA in that 1%. How does God do that? He's omnipotent. And this is not even talking about the billions and trillions and, and untold zillions of people who have lived from the beginning of time, that each one is different. When crimes are committed, my wife and I like to watch CSI Miami, and at some point, they're looking up some DNA. 
They go and they swab people in the mouth. They, they get a little bit of blood, something nicked over here. And, and from that little drop, it's like it computes and tells everything about who the person is. That's God. You covered me. You wove me together in my mother's womb. Then in verse 15, he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And so he says here, I was made. Again, not an accident. This is an act of divine providence. I was made by him. And then the Bible says, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Again, this is language from a poet. Lowest parts of the earth doesn't mean that God made you in the lowest parts of the earth. The lowest parts of the earth speaks of the womb of the, of the woman. That God skillfully wrought you together in the lowest parts of the earth or in the mother's womb. And this is why as believers, we should stand up for life in the womb. And not shortcut, circumvent, terminate. In most cases, I'm not here to get into some kind of speech. Somehow this became about politics. But in scripture, we see how much attention God gives to children in the womb. They're not accidents. They're acts of divine providence. So we want to protect life as much as we can in the womb. And we know there are extenuating circumstances. Again, I'm not here to get into that, but let it be known that life is in the womb. Another thing in verse 16, he says, you saw my substance being yet unformed. You, you saw me before I was a me because I was a me before I became a me. You saw me. You saw my inward parts. You saw, my, you saw me before the substance developed in the womb over nine months. You, you, you saw me. And what I love about this is that in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that God doesn't look at what man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the heart. He's looking at what we can't see because that is the primary part of who we are. Our heart, our soul, our mind, the immaterial, soulish aspect of us. But in the world today, there's so much emphasis on the external, not much on the internal. We'll spend 30 minutes in front of a mirror fixing our face and our hair but we won't spend time in the secret place with God. I got to make myself look right. How about getting right? With God? Because if you spend time in his presence and you allow him to love on you so that you can love yourself, you just might cancel that BBL. Oh, I got to give translation. The Brazilian butt lift? I got to give translation. Because if I can get you to focus on my behind, then that means you don't have to think about my mind. My mind. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Verse 17, or rather 16. Let me go back because I can't miss this. He says, and in your book, they all, speaking of those days, were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So what did God do? Man, he formed me, he covered me, he made me, he saw me. Then he going to write about me in his book before any of the days came to be. So in eternity past, in that place that only God hangs out, 
God wrote every day of my life down in his book. So what might be a surprise to me is not a surprise to him. In fact, it's ordained. So when I'm going through something I don't like, I got to remember that this is a page or a chapter in the book that he's writing on me. Because every chapter can't be just a happy chapter. I mean, some, I mean there's ups and downs of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I know how the thing ends. I end victorious. And so I, let, let me walk through this page that I'm on that I know I got to trust the author and the finish of my faith. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's going on, but I know it's going somewhere because he's working everything that he's writing out for me for good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. I may be on my back now, but I'm going to get up because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in me. So I have hope, even though things seem hopeless right now on this page in this chapter. Because he's writing about me, the good days, the bad days. I got to trust the author. He's written about me. And I'm walking every day by faith, living out what he already knows to be true about me. But then in verse 17, it says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So he thinks about me. He thinks about you. What I love about this is David is talking about what happened in the past in his mother's womb. You made me, you formed me, all of that. But then when he comes down here to verse 17, he jumps to the present tense and he says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, not were your thoughts. You're thinking about me right now and your thoughts towards me are precious, not condemning. Not damning, not judgmental, but his thoughts to me and about me are precious. So, Lord, help me think about myself the way you think about me. Oh, this takes some discipline. No wonder the Bible says you got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus because so many lies come in that make me feel like I'm not precious to God. But the Bible says that he thinks of me with precious thought. And if I tried to count the thoughts, I can't. It's like the sand on the seashore. Don't even try. Just receive and believe how he thinks about you with precious thoughts. He makes no junk. He makes no mistakes. He loves me. So he can rejoice over me with singing by saying, Chris, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart the way you do, Chris. And if God were to search for all eternity long, he would find that there is no one like me. And there's no one like you. And he knows each and every one of us back to his omnipresence as if we were the only one that he ever created. He's that personal and personable with each one of us. So how can we not worship and serve a God like this who knows us better than we know ourselves? Oh, my God. This is what he does. So finally and secondly, what should we do? With all of that that's going on that he does to us, what should we do? Well, I got to take you back up to verse 14. I will praise you. All right, all right, all right, uh-huh, uh-huh. Not I will try to figure you out. Not I will take a couple of science courses and all this stuff and try to, no, 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 no. I receive it by faith and I praise you. The word praise here is a Hebrew word, yada, which means to extend the hand, 
to extend the hand in worship, in praise, and in celebration. So in other words, I'm not just going to get all this good information and just sit still. No, I'm going to get all this information and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to do what a lot of babies do when they're born. A lot of babies, when they come out the womb, their arms are up. They're breathing and they're praising God. But when we get older and get into a little something, get a little bit of money, get a little bit of degrees, get a little bit of, uh, we're too sophisticated to raise a hand to God. We're just a little too stuck up and self-centered to give God some baby-like praise. But David said, not me. I am going to praise you, David. Why are you praising God? Because he said in verse 14, why? Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm going to praise him. Because when God made me, he made me fearfully. What does that mean? It means that God made me with respect. He made me with reverence. When God made me, he made me with heartfelt interest. When he made me, He broke the mold. Uh, I'm fearfully made. And wonderfully means that I am uniquely made. I I am amazing. Wonderfully, wonder, miracle, miraculous. I am a miracle. I'm a miracle. Because God made me fearfully and wonderfully. So like David, I'm going to praise you. I'll praise you for my smaller lips. I'll praise you for my larger lips. You don't want to go with me, church, but I'll praise you for my smaller hips. I'll praise you for my fuller hips. i praise you for my straight hair. i praise you for my curly hair. i praise you for my kinky hair. i praise you for my thin hair. i praise you for my red hair. i praise you for my black hair. i praise you for my brown hair. i praise you for my long hair. i praise you for my short hair. i praise you for the hair that I bought last week. I'm going to praise you. You know why? Because you know every hair that's on my head. And not one hair will fall without your knowledge. So I praise you for my hair. But I ain't going to stop there. I praise you that I'm short. I praise you that I'm tall. I praise you that I'm endomorph. I praise you that I'm mesomorph. I praise you that I'm ectomorph. I praise you for my thick body. I praise you for my thin body. I praise you for my dark skin. I praise you for my light skin. I praise you for my rounded eyes. I praise you for my slanted eyes. I praise you for my big forehead. I praise you for my small forehead. I praise you for my blue eyes. I praise you for my brown eyes. I praise you for my lazy eye. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you that I can get old and I got wrinkles now because everybody don't get wrinkles, so I thank you, God. I praise you for my big backside. I praise you for my small backside. I praise you for my big ears. I praise you for my small ear. I got one ear that go lower than the other ear. I praise you for all of it, God, because you didn't have to, but you did. And that's why he says in verse 14, he says, I'm going to praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. What's he talking about? Himself. That you worked on me. I am a work. So that means I am marvelous. And then he says, and that my soul knows very well. What's that? That I'm marvelous. I know that I'm marvelous. I'm not prideful. No, no, no. I recognize that I'm valuable and I'm valued because God made me in his image. I am precious. There is no one like me. Lord, I am marvelous, which means I am a marvel, and I know it. Do you know it? 
Don't be ashamed of who you are. Embrace who you are and thank God for how he made you the way that he made you. You are a one of a kind, Elohim designed, handmade original. There'll never be another like you. There is none like you. You are one of the master's masterpieces. You are the real deal. You are not a knockoff. You ever try to get knockoff? Knockoff purse. Might be a couple in the house today. Uh, knock, knockoff shoes. Or... But see, when something is real, you got to check the stitching. You got to check the label. Because when it's fake, it can, you know, it's going to fade. But when it's real, because here's the thing about something that's real. It costs a whole lot more than the knockoff. But we'd rather have the knockoff because the knockoff is cheap. But God is saying, no, ain't nothing cheap about you because I made you. You for real. Matter of fact, my designer label is in your spirit. You've been made in my image. Check the stitching. Why? Because he embroidered me and he sewed me together in my mother's womb. But here's two points I want you to take with this message. Watch how you talk to God about yourself. Can you work on that? Watch how you talk to God about yourself. Because when we complain to God about how he made us, what we're saying is that God doesn't know what he's doing. That God made a mistake with us. That the clay is questioning the potter. Why'd you make? So we, we got to watch how we talk to God about ourselves. Say to God what God says to you about you. I'm marvelous. I'm fearfully, reverentially made by you. I'm a wonder to behold. You love me. Let me talk to myself the way God talks to me. But then secondly, watch how you talk to yourself about yourself. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Stop speaking death on yourself about how you look or how you don't look. And you're comparing yourself with people online who don't even look like what they're putting up because they done photoshopped everything on there. Man, talk to yourself. And, and let me add a third one for free. Watch how you let other people talk to you about you. Now, you, you ain't going to keep calling me out my name. No, 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 you ain't going to say that to me. No, no, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I know who I am. I know whose I am. You, you're not going to call me dummy, stupid. You ain't going to say this and that negative about me and talk that. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Because I'm not going to let those words invade my soul and my spirit. There's none like you. So love yourself because you are the only you that there will ever be. Love yourself. And this is the you that's going to be throughout all eternity. So not only love yourself, but like yourself. Laugh at yourself. Have joy about yourself. Look back over your life and see what God's done and how he's ordering your steps and how good he's been to you. And don't get to this next trial and forget all that he's done. Man, you are loved. Goodness and mercy, like we sang this morning, is chasing after us. He's so faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. Well, the world was watching on Monday night. 
when DeMar Hamlin got injured on the football field. The world was watching. If you weren't watching it, you saw other things on media blow up and say this young man had cardiac arrest on the football field. And, and my wife and I, we were watching something else. And I saw it online, and we turned to Monday Night Football to see what was going on. And we learned how they had to come and revive him on the field, giving him a, a CPR and all of those kinds of things. And, 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 and that he basically was unresponsive until the, the, the medical technicians came from the Bills. And for the other men, had to, they had to watch this trauma, one of their brothers on the field, helpless. The world was watching, and for some reason, this touched the hearts of people to pray, who don't normally pray, and to give money to his foundation, who don't normally... Something about this young man, DeMar Hamlin, wearing the number three. So they took him away, and they ended up postponing the game. And so the world was... Praying and watching and waiting for word. Well, three days after they had taken him, we, we'd heard about some progress. He, they put the breathing tube in and all of that, and, but, but he was still in critical condition. But on one particular day, I believe it was Thursday, he came out and he had a writing tablet, almost like Zechariah's in the Bible, he, and he wrote down a question to the doctors. His first thing, what he wanted to know, showing that again his cognitive uh, faculties were working, all those brain cells were still stimulating and working, and he said, uh, who won the game? <laughs> it's just like an athlete, right? Not how my mama in them. <laughs> who won the game? To which the doctors responded, you won. You won the game of life. In other words, there's something more important than football. You won. You won the game of life. Why? Because you're still alive. I stopped by here to let someone know who may be struggling with wanting to live. Someone who doesn't like who they are and how God made. I just stopped by to let you know that if you can hear my voice, if you are in the land of the living, you won. You won the game of life. You, you won. And if you know Jesus, you won because he came to give you life and, and life more abundantly. I just want to let you know that you won. You won because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you won. You won because you are one of the master's masterpieces. You won. You won because you've been made in the image of Almighty God. You won because no one else has your dental structure. You won because no one else has your DNA and fingerprints. You won because God knows every hair that's on your head. You won because God has plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, plans to bless you, to give you a hope in the future. You won because there is none like you. And all of this is possible because there is none like him. So we worship you, we honor you, we praise you, we thank you for how you made us. And even if we have special abilities, God told Moses when Moses said, Lord, Lord I, I stutter, I, I, I got a speech impediment, I can't go. God says, I'm the one who made the deaf and the mute 
I'm the one who made people who are differently and special able. So none of us, we have no excuse. Would you stand to your feet with me right now as Brother Isaiah comes to close us in prayer? Again, it's my prayer for the person that has not appreciated himself or herself, maybe even hated himself or herself, that that lie would get canceled today and you would see that, man, you are an original. There's none like you. You are blessed. You are loved. And there's more to you than meets the eye. God looks at your heart and so do we. And we love the package, but we love what's inside more. Isaiah.